Greetings, uh, welcome this morning to this wonderful time of worship and to listen to God's word. I'm sure that you enjoyed worshiping the Lord with us and uh, I believe that the presence of the Lord has filled your heart and your home and as we're going to meditate on God's word, join along with me as we look to God's word. Shall we pray? Father, we come to you in Jesus name. We thank you for speaking to us this morning and we are Lord ready to listen to you. Father, we pray that you'll minister to us in a very special way. Give us listening hearts and willingness to act upon your word. Holy Spirit, speak to us through your word. We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, uh, we're going to look at the prophecy of Joel. And shall we turn to Joel chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders. Listen, all who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? So we read here as Joel is prophesying to the people of Israel. He says here, especially in verse number 2, Hear this, you elders. Listen, all who live in the land. Has anything like this ever ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? This is a question that the Lord is asking the people of Israel. And I believe that this question seemed to be so relevant to us today. You know, looking at the condition of our lives, looking at what is happening globally, with this outbreak of this pandemic of this virus that came from China. This is something we have not experienced before. This is something our ancestors, our fathers have not experienced before. Uh, they say the last one was probably over a hundred years back. This is something very new for our time. Something that is new to this modern world. And so the Lord is asking the people of Israel, looking at what they are going through, has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? This is an intriguing question that begs for an individual and a collective response. Why? Because every individual is responsible for his or her own actions and their lives. And we live in a community. We live in a larger society. We live as families, we live as a large society, as a nation, a state and in the world. And so a question like this uh, concerning a situation that we face begs for an answer, a, a response from both individuals and from larger communities. And so I believe this is a question that the Lord is asking us to, has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? In other words, he's asking, isn't this something speaking to you in some way? Isn't this pointing to something? And we will consider those questions even more. Why have these things happened? That's a big question, million dollar question which everybody's asking. Why have these things happened? What went wrong? How do we fix it? And what kind of a help do we need to fix it? We are unable to handle this by ourselves humanly. So what kind of a help do we need to fix this problem? And what are the action steps that we have to take going forward to see better days, to see good days? 
I think a question like this uh, opens up many more questions from within us looking at what we are going through from as we reflect on from scriptures. Joel is prophesying to the people of Israel and uh, probably you know several hundred years before the time of Christ. And in verse 3 the Lord is telling the people listen to this. Tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. Tell it to your children what is happening now what is happening now why is why are these things happening what has gone wrong and all of these things tell this to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation about four generations the Lord is addressing and he says go on pass the story on why is God telling Joel to tell the people to tell their children about what's happening? Isn't this unusual? Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? Tell these things to your children. These stories are what they mean and what they mean. These stories, these incidents, these times and the condition that we are in. These things have to be told and what they mean need to be shared with the next generation and the ones to follow so that they will not make the mistakes that we made or our ancestors made that has resulted in a time like this we share success stories very well to our friends neighbors children and our families but we hardly share our mistakes we hardly share our sins and our we are not vulnerable and open enough to share how we didn't do it right. The more vulnerable we are, the better for us and for our future generations. The more they know our weaknesses, the more they learn how to, uh, the more they will learn how to overcome them. Now, if we paint a false picture of greatness and, you know, if we give a false picture of how well everything is going and nothing is going to happen, nothing is wrong at all, if we paint a false picture of that, Sooner or later, they will know that something is going wrong in our lives or in our situations, in the world outside. And to show that we are always strong and we are always, we will be happy, will reveal that hypocrisy one day or the other. Now, I'm not just talking about the situation of a coronavirus and this outbreak of this pandemic in the world and what's happening for us. Not that alone, but even concerning our own lives. There are many things that we have done which we are not very proud of. There are many things that we have done which we would never want to talk about. There are many things that we have done which we are totally ashamed and guilty of and we would never tell anyone about them. And we know certainly that many of those things have resulted in many disasters. Many of those wrong choices we made, many of the wrong decisions that we made, many of the wrong path that we chose have resulted in many catastrophic things that have happened in our lives. And we would never want to talk about them because we're so ashamed and we don't want anyone else to think differently about us. And so we get on to paint this great picture of how good we are, how strong we are, how happy and how well we can make everything happen for our families and for our children. But God is saying, has anything like this ever happened? What has happened? Look at the condition. Look at the situation. 
talk about these things to your children and maybe yes they will ask questions and so they we will not want to talk about our lives we will not want to expose and show how vulnerable we are or how weak we are because we know that they will ask questions why did you do that and how do you fix it and do you need some help and where can we find help and what are the action steps are you going to take to see a better life to do things better when they ask those difficult questions probably we are not ready with the answers and so we do not want to talk about them but god is saying hey humanly we have failed you have failed i have failed you have failed and god is just exposing our failures in our lives sooner or later god does that at some point our failures are exposed our sins do confront us at some point or the other that woman was caught in the act of adultery her sin was confronted by the pharisees who came and brought her and exposed her to jesus she was exposed she was confronted it's better we confront our sins before somebody else confronts our sins it's better we confront our sins and better we accept that we have not been right and good before our sin itself confronts us and so to title this morning's message i want to call this as human failure and divine restoration it's amazing that the prophecy and the message that joel prophesied to the people did not just in talk about human failure but also the climax of the story is about divine restoration and so let's walk through this together would you join me let's go into this together are you ready are you ready if you if you are ready say amen along with me if you are ready tap your neighbor at home and say amen amen are you ready amen yes that's good sounds good now let's quickly go in here human failure and divine restoration we have all failed we are all flawed men in some way or the other the bible says that all mankind has sinned and has fallen short of the glory of god and that has resulted in suffering and so the first thing that joel begins to talk about is suffering suffering and suffering when he talks about suffering he's talking primarily about losses and threats that are that they are facing in their lives it's so quickly to look at these things about what kind of suffering the people faced they they suffered invasion the threat of invasion joel chapter 1 and verse 6 joel 16 a nation has invaded my land a mighty army without number it has the teeth of a lion the fangs of a lioness a nation has invaded my land a mighty army without number it has the teeth of a lion the fangs of a lioness an invasion something else has invaded your life what has to be there is no more there what should not be there has probably entered into your life what is not from god has probably come in what is not god's blessings has probably come in maybe some kind of a sinful habit some kind of a sinful practice some kind of ungodliness has probably entered in something has entered or probably this is the result of our mistakes and that the consequence of our faults that has entered our life probably it is someone who should not be there has come into our life probably it is a loss that we have incurred something has entered our life as a result of our own sin as a result of lack of seeking god as a result of not 
walking in the ways of God. And what are the sufferings? In verse number 9 we read, Grain offerings and drink offerings are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests are in mourning, those who minister before the Lord. Worship in the house of God, sacrifices is stopped. And not only that, the priests who actually live by the offerings that are given by the people, all of those offerings have stopped. And because of that, the priests are starving. This is a result of the sin of the land. This is a result of the sin of the people. The incomes have been, uh, you know, uh, barred and stopped and many companies and many uh, industries have stopped functioning and, and many of them are, uh, you know, running with 30% and 25% of staff and many of them have cut off 50% of uh, their salaries. And so even those who are working full time or working from home are getting very less incomes. The incomes have, you know, taken a beating. Not only that. The worship in the house of God is stopped. The drink offerings, grain offerings that are cut off from the house of the Lord. People used to come and offer to the Lord and sacrifice to the Lord. And that is stopped. The priests are in mourning. Those who minister before the Lord. Because they were you know, living by the offerings that were coming to the house of the Lord. Look at the kind of suffering that the people were, you know, going through. A nation was invading and priests were starving. In verse 11 and 12 in chapter 1, there was barrenness in the land. Despair, you farmers. Wail, you wine growers. Grieve for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field is destroyed. The wine is dried up and the fig tree is withered. The pomegranate, the palm and the apple tree, all the trees of the field are dried up. Surely the people's joy is withered away. There is despair among the farmers, among the wine growers. There is grief among the wheat and the barley growers. Because the harvest of the field is destroyed. And the wine is dried up and the fig tree is withered. And the pomegranate, and the palm tree and the apple tree, all the trees of the field, everything is dried up. There is barrenness in the land. Aren't we able to see that even in today's world that we live in? You know, everywhere you see farmers are protesting and people are dying with hunger and you find that there are times where people do not have one square meal. There are people, you know, living on the streets. There are people who are, you know, involved with daily wages, workers, laborers, you know, people who could make a living only if they sold that small, you know, basket of flowers or that small basket of fruits and they would sell that and live by it. All of that has failed. On one side you have floods. On the other side you have drought. That's the kind of uh, you know, scenario in the country. And you see this is a barrenness that has come into the land. And not only that. You know people who had good incomes. People who had good jobs. They've lost their jobs. They've lost their incomes. And so there is barrenness. Everybody is you know, in, a, in a hand to mouth existence. Some are wanting to save the little they have. And uh, another, you know, aspect of the suffering is in verse 12, the last part, the last phrase of verse 12, it says, surely the people's joy 
is withered away because of the condition of the lives of the people because the economic situation has gone down because the production is bad because the raw materials are not coming in because the exports and imports are not happening because the industries are not functioning and the and the farming and the movement of goods are all affected now because of all of that the joy of the people is withered away you go out on the street you go out into a shopping area you go out into the marketplace nobody is happy everybody is sad everybody has got a mask on everybody is you know afraid if they would get the sickness the virus the joy of the people is withered away you don't have the singing you don't have the joyful times you have you don't have the family get togethers the gatherings you don't have the celebrations the 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 get togethers and the times of you know working together coming together eating together even in the office scenario where all of the staff would sit together have a laugh and uh, and have a meal together we as a church would come together and meet together and have times of celebrations and joy and meeting one another greeting one another inquiring many of these things have been hindered the joy of the people is withered away this is the kind of suffering this is a real suffering and we are also during this time going through a real suffering and the sufferings of the people are untold so much is their suffering so this is the kind of a human condition human failure that you see and as a result of human failure you know something has happened during our times which we have never heard of we have never seen before in our times in our days or in the days of our own ancestors and so we begin to ask these questions what has happened what went wrong how do we fix this can we or do we need some help is mankind as mankind is struggling and scientists are struggling hard to fix this problem nobody is able to heads of nations are struggling and they are perplexed and they are in distress what action steps should we take to see some good days and that's exactly what we're going to see this morning so the first thing that we find here is suffering as a result of human failure you see suffering but there is a god who is intervening in the lives of the people and this god who is intervening in the lives of the people comes to the message through a prophet and he says number 2 is repentance he's calling people to repent it requires for an individual and a collective corporate response in joel chapter 2 and we read from verses 12 to 14 joel chapter 2 and verses 12 to 14 talking about repentance this is what it says Even now declares the Lord return to me with all your heart with fasting and weeping and mourning Amen rend your heart and not your garments return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and compassionate slow to anger and abounding in love and he relents from sending calamity who knows he may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God Hallelujah Hallelujah This is amazing grace the possibility of repentance and God's willingness to accept it is sheer mercy and mercy is what you you don't get what you deserve what you don't get well you actually deserve it that is mercy you see when there is a presidential pardon you know for a 
criminal who is a, 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 a gross criminal and by his good action and good behavior and because he has been uh, you know well uh, redeemed out of his uh, you know sinful you know criminal activities and while he goes through the punishment of being in jail and all of that and he appeals to the president of the nation for mercy and the president extends a pardon in the rarest of the rare cases where there is a presidential pardon because of excellence exemplary behavior and because he's completely reformed you know and he did that probably that crime you know in a fit of rage or something uh, for his own defense or something like that and so there is a presidential pardon for someone who should be hanged uh, given a capital punishment well he does not get what he actually deserves that is mercy and so here God is extending mercy by calling people to repentance the very fact that God is calling us to repentance is a mercy of God because he does not want us to get what we actually deserve and so God is saying return to me you know with all your heart with fasting and weeping and mourning rend your heart and not your garments Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and He relents from sending calamity. It is not His will and pleasure to send calamity. He is not waiting for half a chance to send a calamity. Sometimes we pictureize God to be a hard taskmaster who, you know, is waiting for one mistake that we would do and immediately send some kind of a punishment on us. No, God is a merciful God. God is a gracious God. He's waiting for us to turn to him. He's waiting for us to repent and ask him to forgive us of our sins. He's waiting for us to come to him and spend time in his presence. And if we choose to do that, he's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and he will relent from sending calamity. The possibility of repentance and God's willing to accept us is sheer mercy. And so you also go on to read in verse 15 and 16 as God is calling us to repent. How is he calling us to repent? Look at this. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the assembly. Bring together the elders. Gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Hallelujah. Look at what the Lord is expecting. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, consecrate the assembly. So the point is he's calling, he's saying blow the trumpet. The, the trumpet is a, is a call for people to you know, uh, listen, a, a trumpet call is a call that there is a danger that is coming. And he says declare a holy fast. This is not just a namesake fasting. This is not just a fasting by tradition. You know where you do about a 40 days of fasting before you know Good Friday and you abstain from meat and flowers and you know and from drinking and smoking. It, it, those are good traditions to follow by the way. But here is talking about rending your heart and repenting and coming to him and saying God we are sorry coming together with fasting and seeking the Lord. Basically fasting, the idea of fasting is to set apart time to be in the presence of God. And he says, call a sacred assembly. And that's the role of God's servants and God's prophets. It's to call people. And so we keep calling people. We keep calling you. We keep texting you. We keep saying, come join the prayer time. Come join the worship services. Come, you know, join the online services. Come join the, you know, night prayers. You know, we keep calling. And that's a responsibility that we have to call you. And we gather together and call and gather the people. Say, consecrate the assembly. 
Consecrate the assembly. Consecration is to set apart, to keep it as holy. And God wants us to set ourselves apart as holy, is a holy gathering. And, and sanctify ourselves, consecrate the assembly, sanctify ourselves and bring together the elders, the old people. Are you listening to me? The old people, gather the children, the children, the young adults, the children, old people, children. And those nursing at the breast, these are the, even the infants. Bring together everyone. You know, no, don't give excuses. I just got married. You know, I'm going to have a baby. I just got a baby. I have a young child. You know, my children, you know, my old people, we are weak. We are tired. We feel sleepy. You know, no, 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 no. Don't give all of those, you know, excuses. God is saying, bring together the elders, the children, those nursing at the breast. Look at this. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Everybody comes to pray. Hallelujah. And that's what we've been calling us to all of this while. And, and, and this for this human failure to be fixed. And if we need to see better days and brighter days and good days. And how do we fix this? This begins by repentance. And God is calling us to repentance. God is calling us to gather together. God is calling us for a sacred assembly. To consecrate the assembly. And bring together everybody. Elders, children, nurse, those nursing. And, uh, and even the bridegroom and the bride. Let everybody come together. Thirdly, what is God going to do when, when we come together? He says in verse 18 and 19, when we come together and when we pray and when we fast and when we seek the Lord, when we consecrate ourselves, this is what God says in Joel chapter 2 verses 18 and 19. Number three, God is saying, I'm going to extend grace. Hallelujah. He's going to be gracious to us. Read verse 18 and 19 of chapter 2. Then the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. The Lord replied to them, I'm sending you grain, new wine and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody tap your neighbor and say hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Post a comment there, you know, in the chat box and say hallelujah. God is gracious. Hallelujah. Human failure, but God is gracious. Amen. Hallelujah. Give a thumbs up if you say amen to that. Hallelujah. And the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. Hallelujah. God is jealous for us. Hallelujah. Brother, sister, the very fact that God is speaking to us, the very fact that God is, you know, reaching out to us, the Spirit of God is ministering to us, the very fact that the Word of God is coming alive into our lives, into our hearts, the very fact that God is exposing us to all of these truths and calling us to repentance and helping us to realize our predicament, all of this is, is grace because He is jealous for his land. He is jealous for his people. And he takes pity on his people. Hallelujah. When the people of Israel cried out to God. When they were in Egypt. And they were under slavery. And they were oppressed by Pharaoh. And they cried out to God. The Bible says that the cry of the people of Israel. You know rose up to God. And God heard their cry. Hallelujah. And, and he came down in the form of a, a burning bush. And you know and appeared to Moses. And said Moses. And he called out to Moses. Hallelujah. That's how God comes reaching out to us. And Moses says, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. God has come down to meet with you this morning in your home, in your family. God has come to meet with you as you call upon him. 
Hallelujah. God hears, uh, you know, the cry of his people. And Hagar was weeping and, and she said, I cannot see my son, you know, die. And she was thirsty and there was no water for herself and her child. And she was forsaken. She was rejected and she was sent away. It was like she was used, abused and disposed. And, and, and she felt miserable in her life. But that was the time as she cried out to God. God was gracious to her. El Rohi, God who sees me, she said. Hallelujah. And this, uh, the son of the widow uh, of the village of Nain was, uh, has died. And she, he was carried you know, to be buried. And while uh, the funeral procession was on and he was going to be buried and she, he was the only son of this mother widow. And uh, Jesus comes and breaks up that you know, funeral service, uh, that procession and he touches you know, the, 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 the body of the person of that young man. And immediately he came back to life as he called him out uh, and he came alive. Hallelujah. Jesus intervened uh, in the life of that widow. Jesus raised that young man to life. Hallelujah. That is how God is able to do in our life also. You know, he is gracious. He takes pity on us. He looks at our predicament. He looks at what we are going through. But when we respond individually and corporately in praying together and coming together and repenting for our sins, God responds to that. God is gracious. God relents from sending calamity in our life. Hallelujah. God is a God of grace. God is a God of second chances. God does not rubbish us. God does not throw us out. God does not you know, destroy us. He does not destroy us forever. His mercies never fail us. Hallelujah. You, have, you stand a second chance with God because He is a loving heavenly Father. He is a God who is full of love and mercy and grace. And he's looking for those who will repent and turn to Him. Those who will come together in His presence and seek His face together as a corporate body, as His body, the church, the community of believers. When, when He looks at us repenting, and He hears our prayers of repentance. When He hears our prayers of we offer you know our petitions to God and crying out in the midst of our sufferings God hears us and he comes down to us and this is what can fix human failure and bring about a restoration the only thing that can do that is the grace of God the only thing that can do us is to do that is the grace of God that can bring restoration in our life that can bring back everything we lost though everything may fall apart in spite of our mess in spite of our mistakes God is gracious enough to restore those who repent of their sins. He looks for a way to save. He looks for a way to redeem the people of Israel. He looks for a way to restore them. He looks for a way to bring them out of their situation. God is looking for a way to bring you out. God is looking for a way to save you. God is looking for a way to save your family. God is looking for a way to redeem your family. You are concerned and burdened about those who do not know the Lord, who have not had a salvation experience in your family. God is looking for a way to deliver them from darkness, from tradition, from idolatry, from all kinds of sinful habits and practices. God is a good God. If you repent, if you call upon Him, when we come together and pray together for our families and for our loved ones, God will be gracious to restore their lives. He's a God of grace. He looks for a way to save. So he comes reaching out through prophet Joel. And so how can we fix this? We cannot fix this by ourselves. It is God who is able to fix it. Number four, it leads to restoration. 
That is a human failure and that human failure has resulted in suffering, number one. Secondly, it has resulted in, you know, it, it results in repentance as we turn to God, as we heed to his voice, both individually and corporately. And thirdly, he is gracious as a result of the repentance. And when God's grace is upon us, when he finds that, you know, we have repented, when he finds that we have changed, when he finds that our hearts have changed and we have turned to him, he cannot but restore. And that's number four. It leads to a restoration of our lives this is divine restoration Joel chapter 2 and verse number 22 to 24 let's read that do not be afraid you wild animals for the pastures in the wilderness are becoming green the trees are bearing their fruit the fig tree and the wine yield, yield their riches be glad people of Zion rejoice in the Lord your God for he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful he sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. Hallelujah. Come on, touch your neighbor and say hallelujah. Amen. Come on, type in that chat box and say restoration in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. When you say restoration, when you claim restoration, when you believe that God is able to restore your life, he's able to restore your marriage, he's able to restore your loved ones, he's able to restore what you have lost. When you believe that and, and not afraid of what could happen because of everything that is happening around, when you turn to God and believe in him for restoration, he is able, well able to restore our lives. The Bible says now... The trees are bearing their fruit. We earlier read that of barrenness. But now from barrenness to bearing fruit. Hallelujah. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. From emptiness and no, no grain and no offerings. Now to riches. Be glad people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you autumn rains. Now the showers of blessings are coming down. The natural resources are now being replenished. And because God is faithful. Hallelujah. Come on, say it out. God is faithful. Come on, slap your neighbor and say, God is faithful. Hallelujah. Our God is a faithful God. He will never let us down because he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Our God who is faithful, he will never let you down. He will never let down your family. He will let, never let you go. Hallelujah. He holds you in his mighty hands uh, with a strong hand and a mighty arm. He saved the people of Israel and the same way he's able to restore your life as well hallelujah now everything is filled the threshing floors will be filled with grain and the vats will overflow with new wine and oil there is a visible sign of prosperity there is a visible sign of prosperity that comes as because God has begun the work of restoration that is because of his grace which has come because of repentance hallelujah Hallelujah. Human failure might be great. Human failure might have resulted in things that are irreversible. But we have a God who is able to restore far beyond what you and I can imagine. Hallelujah. Look at verses three, chapter 3 and verse number 18. In that day the mountains will drip new wine and the hills will flow with milk and the ravines of Judah will run with water. A fountain will flow out of the Lord's house and will water the valley of the Acacias. Hallelujah. You know there will be the flowing, the overflowing of milk and wine and, and, and the ravines will be filled with water and the, the fountain will, a fountain will flow out of the Lord's house there. Earlier it was where everything was dry and barren but now everything is beginning to overflow. 
Hallelujah. And not only that in chapter 2 and verses 25 and 26. Let's quickly read that. Chapter 2 verses 25 and 26. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locust and the young locust, the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I, send among, that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says, God is saying, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. The great locusts, the young locusts, and the other locusts, and the locusts swarm, my great army that I sent among you. You, have you will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again, my people, will be ashamed. Hallelujah. When God begins to restore your life, this is what it will look like. Whatever time that was wasted, opportunities that were wasted, oh, talents that were wasted, years that were wasted, situations that came which could have opened up, you know, a great door of blessing for you, which everything was wasted. God is saying, I'm going to restore everything back to you. I'm going to restore. You thought that it is over, that the golden days are over, that things that have happened are all over. You know, you thought that everything is going to be shut down and your life has come to an end. You thought there is no way at all. You, you thought that everything that you thought you believed that could bring about something good in your life, everything is now over. You thought that marriage could survive and do well. You thought the children will, you know, succeed and do well. You thought the income from this business and the job will come and supply your needs. And you thought that everything is gone and everything is over. But I want you to know that God is a God who restores the years that the locusts have eaten. Hallelujah. 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 The devil might have eaten up your life, but God is a God who restores your life. Hallelujah. That is how he's restoring. Firstly, he restores prosperity. Then he restores the time and the opportunities that were wasted. And he restores the years. Hallelujah. Thirdly, he sends down his Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That's, that is what happens when we turn to God. When we come to God in prayer, both individually and corporately, God sends down his Holy Spirit. You find that in chapter 2 and verses 28 to 32. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on Amen. all people. Hallelujah. Yes. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Hallelujah. Come on, say it out. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Come on, say it with me. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Come on, tell your look at your you know family members and tell them God is saying, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Hallelujah. Your every family member in your family will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Say amen if you believe that. Hallelujah. You know, God will pour out his spirit upon your families, you know, the larger family, your in-laws, your loved ones. God will pour out your spirit, his spirit spirit upon your children and the generations to come. God will pour out his spirit upon your, you know, in your workplace or upon the people with whom you have a certain amount of influence to whom you can minister to. God will use you to pour out his spirit upon them. Hallelujah. God is saying, I will pour out your spirit. I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters. What will they do? They will begin to 
prophesy. What will they do? The young men, old men will begin to dream dreams. Young men will begin to see visions. You will begin to see a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit as we come together and pray. As we rally together, you know, in prayer and seeking the Lord. God will be gracious to us. God will begin to restore our lives. He will bring back the prosperity. He will bring back the wasted time and the opportunities. And He will help you to grow and be blessed in your life. Uh, All that you thought was lost forever will be restored back once again. And not only that, God will send down his Holy Spirit upon you. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Hallelujah. You find that in verse 31. And everyone who you know, calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God will use you to save many souls. Hallelujah. This is what happens when God begins to do his restorative work. This is powerful. And so in a time where we are faced with human suffering, because of human failure, we want to see, we want you to see this morning that there is a hope, uh, there is an opportunity for divine restoration. And, and the intriguing question that we began asking is, you know, as an individual and as a community to respond to this and what do we do about it? We ask these questions about why have these things happened? What went wrong? How do we fix it? Uh, you know, who will help us? Can we or do we need help? What are the action steps do we need to take to see good days? All of these questions are answered. Suffering is there. But we repent for our sins as God wants us to. And God gives us his grace. He's merciful and gracious to us. And he does a restorative work. Bringing about prosperity in our lives. Restoring the years we have lost. And the time, the opportunities we have lost. And filling us with his Holy Spirit. And helping us to have supernatural experiences of divine you know, dreams and visions. And God speaks to us through prophecies. By pouring out his Holy Spirit on everyone. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. As we lead people to salvation. People will call upon the name of the Lord. Everyone will be saved. There will be a great harvest of souls through our lives. God does his powerful restorative work. Are you ready to receive it? If you're ready to receive it, say amen. Hallelujah. If you're ready to receive it, type amen in that chat box. And let's agree together one with another. Hallelujah. And say amen. Hallelujah. We believe, Lord. We agree together in Jesus' name. Shall we close in prayer right now and thank Jesus right now and say, Lord, I thank you for helping us to hear your word this morning. And Father, we pray that you speak to us in deeply in our hearts let your holy spirit continue to lord bring back to remembrance all that we have heard and especially we pray that this word that we have received will find a lodging place in our hearts oh father that the enemy will not come and pluck it out oh father that this will be like oh lord oh lord the seed fallen on good soil that will bring forth 30 60 and a hundredfold lord fruit oh master Father, we pray that you would bless your people. We pray that you will do a deep restorative work in everyone's life, oh Father. Whatever has been damaged, whatever has been lost, whatever stands as a threat, whatever stands as a danger, we pray that everything will change. Lord, as we repent and come together, that you will be gracious upon us and you will do a powerful restorative work of bringing back the prosperity and bringing back, Lord, the years that we have lost, the opportunities we lost, the time that was wasted, Lord, will be replenished in a powerful way, in a supernatural way, and you will pour out your spirit upon us. And Lord, use us to win many souls in your kingdom, Lord. Thank you, Father. Bless your people, we pray. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen.